we're, we're continuing through the book of Matthew. We have called this sermon series, The Cross and the Crown. Why we called it that is because in the Gospels, we see this juxtaposition, this contrast of both Jesus being uh, a king, right? So he wears a crown, but he's also a king who takes upon himself the cross. And uh, what Matthew does such a good job in his gospel is explaining why Jesus is the, the anointed one, the chosen one, the one whom we should look to uh, for our sins to be forgiven, the one who we should look to to answer that all-important question, why does our life have meaning? And it's because of how Matthew answers the question of who Jesus is. Um, now, for those of us who call ourselves Christians— who call ourselves disciples of Jesus, that means that we follow Jesus. That means that we, um, we look to Jesus as how to live our lives, right? We, someone asks this question, should I, should I lie to my boss? Should I cheat on my taxes? Uh, should I uh, think this way? Or should I do these certain things? And we're able to answer, answer all those kind of questions because of the person that we follow is Jesus, and we look to Jesus and we say, okay, because Jesus was my example of how I should live my life, I'm going to model my life after him. I'm, I'm going to discipline myself after Christ. I'm going to be a disciple of him. And when we, when we come to know Jesus, uh, the, the only way that we can be reconciled back to God because of our sin is when we lay our sin at the, at the foot of the cross and the, the foot of the cross absorbs all of our sin. And it makes us so that we are reconciled back to God. Once we were estranged, once we were far away from God, but because of the work of Jesus, he reconciled us back, even when we were sinners. And he, he, every sin that we've ever committed, every sin that we will currently commit and in the future, all of that is absorbed in the sponge of the cross. There's not one ounce, not one little drop of our sin that the cross does not fully uh, take upon itself and forgive us of. But the thing is that as disciples of Jesus, even though we've been forgiven of our sins, we still sin from time to time. And uh, just by show of hands, any, who, who here would uh, say they are a disciple of Jesus? Raise your hands, okay? Most of us in the room. Now, who of us here has ever committed a sin or been sinned against? Okay, now that's every single hand in this room. Now, just because we call ourselves a disciple of Jesus doesn't mean that all of a sudden we, we, we say a prayer and, you know, we, we, we confess Jesus as both Lord and Savior. We're, we're not all of a sudden these perfect human beings. We're not perfect disciples. We, we struggle still with sin, and that sin affects our relationships. The good thing is that Jesus knew this. Jesus knew that we would have, what do we call it? What, what, what do you, Marianne and I call it, we call it crunchiness. Um, we, we sometimes have a, people ask us, hey, how's your relationship with your wife? How's your relationship with your husband? And we'll say, sometimes we'll be like, oh, it's a little crunchy right now. What do, we, what do we mean by that? It's like when we rub against each other, it feels a little bit like sandpaper. It's like, it's not that, you know, smooth and feels nice and everything's easy. Sometimes it's like, ah, I love you, but you're not my favorite person on the planet right now. Um, and... And the reality is, when we commit to being disciples of Jesus and, and put ourselves 
in a local body, sometimes there's crunchiness, right? You ever experienced that with somebody? Somebody, uh, it, it rubs you the wrong way. And so Jesus in his wisdom and Jesus in his love for us doesn't just leave us and say, okay, well, you guys figure it out. He's really prescriptive on how we are to deal with offense. So aren't you ex- so excited this morning we're gonna talk about offense? Yes, woo! you came to church this morning, you wanted to hear a feel-good message, you wanted to be encouraged, and lo and behold, we're going to talk about how to deal when you're offended. All right. Now, here's the thing. My charge to you, my encouragement to us as Southlands Chino, what do we say often is fire your inner lawyer, okay? Turn off that little lawyer that's in your heart who says, I object because I don't like that and I don't like this and that rubs me the wrong way, all that kind of stuff. Fire your inner lawyer this morning and ask the Holy Spirit to come and replace the lawyer of your heart. So if you hear something that may be a little bit like, that's, that's tough or awkward, just say, Holy Spirit, help me with that. All right, can we do that all together? That's my commitment to you. I hope that that's your commitment to me and that's our commitment to each other and to the Lord. So, Let's get into it this morning. Let's get into our, well, first of all, let me say this before we get into our scripture. Did you know that one of the greatest apologetics to the gospel, what do do we mean by apologetic? One of the greatest evidences, one of the greatest defenses of our faith is our unity to one another. The Bible says that outsiders will look at the church and they'll look and they'll critique and they'll scrutinize and they'll put us under a microscope. And often what they say is, you bunch of what? Hypocrites. And the number one reason why people do that is because of the way that we treat each other. What you see in the church often is not any different the way that people treat each other in the world. This is what the Gospel of John says in chapter 13. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's talking to us. He says, a new commandment, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Just as Jesus loves us, so are we to love one another, okay? That's how. So let's turn to our scripture this morning. If you have your Bibles, if not, uh, it's up on the screen, but Matthew chapter 18, we're just gonna read about five verses here. Matthew 18, uh, starting in 15 and all the way to 20. Now, here's the funny thing, just to give you some context about what's happening here in this scripture. There's a bunch of relational stuff that is taking place. If you go back maybe a chapter and a half, you see the disciples all get together, and what are they arguing about? They're arguing about who's the best disciple. They're arguing about who is going to sit at the right hand of Jesus. They're arguing about, no, 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 I'm the best disciple. And, and, and James is like, no, 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 I am. And John is like, no, I'm the, I'm the disciple Jesus really loves. I'm even going to write it in my gospel about myself, right? So you just see this over and over. There's all this relational, like, crunchiness that's happening. And then Jesus just comes in and happens, for some reason, to talk about if you're offended. And he says this, 
in verse 15 of chapter 18, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others among you, uh, along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. Verse 17, if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Anybody love tax collectors here? Like, okay, all right. That was, that was no one, just for the record, on the audio, there wasn't one raised hand, okay? <laughs> Verse 18, truly I say to you, Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for your wisdom. Thank you so much for your foresight. Thank you for not letting us just try to figure things out on our own. Thank you for your word. And um, we, we subject ourselves, we subject our hearts, our thoughts, all of who we are this morning to your word, your perfect word. It's not lacking. And Lord, I just ask that you would help us this morning. Uh, there, there's probably, I know in my heart and in the hearts of those of us seated here this morning, there's offense. We've been offended. Or maybe we've offended someone else, we've hurt someone else, we've sinned or been sinned against. And Lord, we, we ask that you would help us this morning deal with that. Help us to be like you, Jesus. Help us to lay our pride down and to be obedient to your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's what we're going to do with the scripture this morning. We're just going to go through the statements of what Jesus tells us to do. You guys okay with that? Because I don't have three points, I don't have three P's or three R's or whatever it is that really good preachers do. I'm just going to take these phrases and then we're going to unpackage them. We're going to talk about what is Jesus saying in here, okay? So here we go. If you're taking notes, let's go for it. The first thing that we notice in verse 15, Jesus tells us to go. This is what he says. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. Now, before some of you get really excited, some of you like, oh yes, oh thank you, Kelly, right? There's, let me, let, let's just unpackage this a little bit this morning. Typically, uh, when we're dealing with conflict or we're, we're dealing, I mean, th there's two kinds of people. There's what I call flighters. That's not really a word, but we're gonna turn it into a word this morning. There's people who run away from conflict and then there's fighters, okay? Uh, anyone in this room, would identify with the flight aspect. Okay. See, the rest of you guys are all liars. Because the, the, most of us are flighters, and you're like, this even just feels awkward for me, even raising my hand, admitting that I'm a flighter, right? But here's, here's how you know you're a person when conflict comes, you're kind of on the flight side. This is more me too. Uh, you avoid or you deny or pretend nothing is wrong. So let's say... Um, Somebody said something rude to you or, you know, you, they were kind of harsh with you in a certain way. You see them on a Sunday morning or you see them at the grocery store and what do you do? You're just like, ha, ah, 
fine. Uh, it's so good to see you. How is everything? Oh, great, great. And you walk away and you're like, Phew. Most people are on the flight aspect of this, okay? Um, or you all together, you, you try to avoid it and you escape, okay? And some of us do this by, um, you may not show up on a Sunday morning because you know the person who offended you is going to be there and you don't want to see them face to face, so it's easier for you out of awkwardness not even to see that person. Some people leave churches for this. Um, I, I call this the take your ball and go home mentality. What do I mean by that? You ever been on the, on the sports field when you're a kid, if you're playing kickball, or maybe you're playing tag when you're a kid or something, but like try to take your mind back to pre-junior high, like fourth, third, fourth grade, and maybe you're the one who brought the bat and ball for the kids in the, in the cul-de-sac to play, and you're going to play over the line. And every time you get up to play, they catch your ball every time and you're out every single time. Well, if you're an immature little kid, what do you do? That's it. I'm taking my bat and I'm taking my ball and I'm going home. And everybody else on the field's like, oh, right? They're like, what a poor sport. And sometimes we do that when we're offended. It's like, man, my feelings got hurt. That's it. I'm out of here. This is too awkward for me. So I'm going to throw a temper tantrum and I'm taking my bat and I'm taking my ball and I'm going home and the rest of y'all can just figure it out. Some of us look for another community. Now, here's the thing. You've ever heard, you've ever heard a preacher say, if you ever find the perfect church, don't go to it. Why? Because you'll just ruin it. You'll mess it up. There's no such thing as a perfect church. There's no such thing as perfect relationships. And let me, let me tell you this this morning. Some of you might have come to Southlands, Chino, because you're avoiding another relationship, a burnt relationship in a church. Let me, let me, let me just be really honest with you this morning. I guarantee you, let me just say this up front, you will have ample opportunity here at Southlands Chino, to be offended. I guarantee it. You're welcome. <laughs> if you have not yet been offended here at this church, if you stick around a while, I guarantee it will happen. Why? Because we're so mean and we're trying to offend people? No, 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 no. Why? Because we're human. And the more that you start to build relationship with people, the more that you get to know people, at first at a distance, everything looks nice, right? But if you get closer and closer, you just start to see all the pimples, you start to see all the scars, you start to see all those kind of things, and you're like, ooh, I didn't know uh, that was going on here. And if you are in a constant state of feeling offended, you'll repeat the pattern over and over and over again. Jesus hasn't called us to do that. Maybe you're, maybe you're on the other side of the spectrum where you're the fighter, okay? This is probably for a rare few of us, but if you're a fighter, how, how do you know you're a fighter? You are comfortable. You even welcome conflict. You're like, oh, bring it. Bring it, okay? Oh, I'm just waiting for somebody to offend me so I can let them have it. Um, you, you want justice, and others need to know their faults, right? I call these kind of people like clipboard Christians. 
You ever seen a clipboard Christian? They're like walking around and they're like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, oh, yep. You, are you looking at me funny? Well, I'm not sure, but I'm just going to write it down anyway. So, uh, okay, let's keep going. And I'll let you know about that later. Uh, four o'clock on Monday, we'll do coffee and I'll let you know what's up, right? <laughs> it's like Jonah. You guys know the story of Jonah? God tells him, go to Nineveh set these people free, preach the good news of my gospel to these people who aren't deserving of my grace. And Jonah's like, no, they don't deserve it. I don't want to go tell them. They're baby killers. They they worship other gods. They should be burned to the stake. And some of us who are on the fight side say, that person doesn't deserve my forgiveness. They deserve wrath. (sighs) Woe to you, both of us, if you're a flighter, or you're a fighter, because neither of those are a biblical response to offense. This is what we're called to do. Paul says this in Ephesians chapter four. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. What is Paul encouraging us to do when we're offended and we go to a person? Paul's saying, speak truth in love. This is, this is awkward. This is hard to speak truth in love. Because sometimes people are like, nobody asked you, right? <laughs> but when we speak truth in love, we are doing it because we love the person, hopefully. Like, here's an example. A good dad, if, if I had a young a child who is maybe two or three, who doesn't know the danger of walking into a street, a good dad would go up to my, my, my child and pull him or her away from the street. Why? Because they're about to get squashed. I don't just deny it. I don't just turn a blind eye because I don't want to discipline my child. I don't say, oh, it's really awkward because the other parents are looking and they'll judge me. And like the way I pull my kid away, he's about to get squashed. But if I do it really quick, it'll look harsh. So I'm just going to look like a good guy and not say anything and avoid it. The other side of that coin is, I come up with a baseball bat and whack! You stupid little kid! Don't you know you're gonna get squashed by a car? No, both of those are wrong. A loving father comes to the child and says, don't go in the street. Pulls him away because his life depends on it. And so you and I are meant to speak truth and love to one another. Now, before you get all excited about that, Here's a couple of things that we need to do before we go to the person and speak truth and love. Number one, if you're taking notes, this is really practical, helpful stuff. And I'm hoping this morning that this will start a biblical culture in this church. I, honestly, it was, I was really excited to preach on offense today because I was like, God, what an opportunity to, to build a biblical culture. And, and so here's some helpful things, I think, before you go and approach a person, whether it's easy or hard for you, ask yourself this first. Can I biblically absorb the offense? Can I biblically absorb the offense? Now, here's what I mean by that. The beautiful thing is, as people who have put our hope and trust in Jesus and become disciples of Jesus— We are no longer victims. 
Now, I know society, there's a lot of victimization going around, around and everyone likes to claim they're a victim, and I, I'm a victim because of this, and, and what, I'm not talking about true victimization here, though. I'm talking about if someone has, uh, maybe you saw somebody walking by and you said hi, and for some reason they didn't say hi back, maybe they didn't hear you or something like that, and all of a sudden your world is just falling apart, and you're super offended. Can you absorb that offense in the cross? Hopefully, I think you might be able to. The beautiful thing is the cross does not just forgive us of our sins that we've committed. The cross absorbs the sins that have been committed against us. That's why, as Christians, we can walk free. We can be set free, okay? Um, Here's what Psalm says. Psalm 119 161 through 165, princes have persecuted me without a cause, but my heart standeth in awe of thy word. This is the King James. I rejoice at thy word as one that would find this great spoil. I hate and abhor lying, but thy law do I love. Seven times a day do I praise thee because of thy righteous judgments. Great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. See, when we're dwelling on the things of God, when somebody may like, not have heard us and we didn't say hi back, that doesn't offend me. Why? Because my hope's not in somebody saying hi. My hope is in Jesus. Proverbs 19.11 says, Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. What's, what's the writer of Proverbs saying here? He's saying, hey, common knowledge, common sense is don't get offended by everything. It's, 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 it's going to be all right. And it, it will bring glory to you if you're not the person who runs around being offended by everything all the time. Now, how do we know, though, you can no longer biblically absorb offense? This is two things I think help us understand this when bitterness begins to take root. When you stop believing the best about that person. I think those are two very real things that help us. Yes, Lord, I understand that I am supposed to absorb offense. I thank you for the cross that it not only forgives me, but it forgives the sins that have been committed against me. But for some reason in my heart, I'm starting to feel bitterness towards this person. I'm starting to believe the worst about this person. Oh, someone might say something about them and I go, yeah, that's probably true. They probably are a liar. And when that begins to happen in your heart, that is the first acknowledgement that you right away have to go to that person. And my hope, and my, honestly, this is a dream of mine for this church, that there would be never one instance in this church where we hold back from one another by speaking truth and love and letting someone know, hey, that, that hurt me, that offended me. Because what happens when we harbor those things, it's like cancer that grows inside our hearts. And all it does is it infects us from the inside out. So you need to ask yourself, one, can you biblically absorb the offense? The other question you need to ask yourself is the Matthew 7 
understanding is, have I taken the log out of my own eye? This is what Jesus says about this relationship here. He says, why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that's in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So Jesus says, go, go to the person. Don't be a flighter. Don't be a fighter. Go to the person with truth and love. But first ask yourself, can you absorb the offense? Two, if you can't, make sure that you understand that you're not perfect either. Make sure that you are coming with a good conscience before God and you're doing this out of a good way, uh, in, in a righteous way. You're not doing it in a judgmental way. By the way, I noticed that you uh, didn't uh, fill up the creamer all the way uh, last Sunday, so just writing that down. Take, I mean, it's, 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 it's laughable what Jesus says here. There's no way a log can be in your eye. He's trying to make a point. You see all these little specks. It's so easy for you to go around saying, that person, this person, just there's a giant log out of your head. Take the log out of your head, by the way. (laughs) What if you're the person who's being gone to? Jesus says, go. Now, what if you're on the receiving end of that? All right. Good question. I'm so glad you asked, Kelly. Let me give us some helpful things here. One of my mentors in the faith told me, he, he, he comes from a, he's South African and he would speak with the Queen's English and he said, Kelly, you need to learn how to cop it on the chin. Now, we would as speak American, uh, we would say take it on the chin. But I think if you're the person who's being gone to, someone's offended by you, we need to learn how to take it on the chin. Because the truth is, There could only be 10% truth in what this person is offended by you by. Oh, they don't know my heart. They don't know my motive behind why I did this. Or, man, I didn't even notice that they said hi to me uh, on Sunday morning and I just walked straight by. It doesn't matter. This person was offended. Learn how to hear the 10% of truth in the 90% of emotion. That's a mature Christian, folks. And if you're like, Oh, well, you just don't understand. I've had a really hard week. You, know, you, you ever get in an argument maybe with your spouse or a close family, mem- family member and they want to tell you how you, they've, you've hurt them? And what is your first response? Well, you start to make excuses for it. Well, if, if this didn't happen, I wouldn't have done that. If I wasn't hangry at the time, then, you know, if I would have had lunch, I wouldn't have reacted a certain ways. You understand. That is not apology. That's Pride. And if you were the person who offended, and maybe you didn't do it on purpose, but this person's coming up to let you know, take it on the chin. Learn how to take criticism. Don't make excuses. And then do this. Thank God for that person coming up to you. You know why? Because none of us in this room are perfect, and we all have blind spots. And we all don't know what we don't know. One of my best friends, the church I came, Brian Barr, he was here uh, this year. He was such a good speaker of truth and love to me. And I'm so grateful for that. You know what he would do? He would come up to me every once in a while and he would say, hey, Kel, can I talk to you? And I knew what was going to happen, right? (laughs) 
And he would say, hey man, just a self-awareness moment. I loved that. Self-awareness. It wasn't like, I'm so cool and I got everything. He, him and his love for me, he would say, I, I know you don't notice this, but when you do this, it alienates people. It really polarizes them. And you're, you know, if you do this, it'll, it won't be a, a, help for you, a help for you in your ministry. It'll actually hinder you in your ministry. So just, I love you, man. I want to see you grow in this, just so you're aware of that. Now, there were times where I was like, uh, bro, I didn't even ask you for that information, you know? <laughs> but somebody who's gone to, who's been go- who is the person who, went, who was went to, you have to learn how to just be humble and say thank you so much and thank God because what God's doing is a means of grace in your life for someone to speak truth and love to you. It sanctifies us. and makes us more like Jesus. And that's the kind of community that we're supposed to be, friends. If we just show up on a Sunday and we're trying to pretend like everything's perfect, what is the point of that? We're a community. Thank the person. How hard is that for that person to come up to you and say, hey, brother, by the way, when, when you talk to your wife this way, it, it makes everybody in the room feel awkward. Um, when, when you tell these kind of jokes, the, those crude jokes, I, I don't see that as like being good for you in your future. It actually makes people feel like, Oof, they don't really want to be around you that much, man. Um, can I just speak some truth and love to you? And that is a hard and awkward thing to do to somebody. And so if someone comes up to you and lets you know, thank them. Say, thank you so much for taking that step. I know it was really hard. It was really awkward. If we all did that all the time, imagine how much easier it would be to speak truth and love to one another. If we had a culture here where everyone was like, just knew that we all believed the best about each other, that would be amazing. That would be beautiful. Don't you believe that? I do. And that's what I'm asking God for here. Now, oh man, you guys, we have so much to get through. We're running out of time. All right. So Jesus says, go. And then he, he says, you know, speak truth and love. But notice here that he says something very specific. He says, make sure that it's between you and him alone. Now, this is running rampant in the church. <laughs> Where for some reason because I'm one of the pastors here, someone feels obligated to tell me about how they've been offended. Or maybe you've been on the receiving end of that. You know what? I just want to let you know that so-and-so really hurt my feelings. My commitment to you, and I'm hoping your commitment to us as a congregation, is the moment someone comes up to you and goes, hey, I just want to let you know about somebody. Go, you well, you don't, but yeah, but you right? My first response, hopefully every time will be, and I'm hoping yours will be, did you go to that person first? I don't want to hear it. Yeah, but this is serious. I, I, I don't know. I don't want to hear it. Did you go to that person who offended you first? And what you'll find is 99% of the time, the person has no clue that they've offended you. And when you confront them or when you go up to them and say, hey, but this is the, I know you, blah, 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 they go, 
I'm so sorry. I didn't even know that happened. And hopefully it gets worked out, right? Stop them in their tracks and say, I don't want to hear it. Here, here, let's do a little practice together. You ready? On the count of three, let's all say, I don't want to hear it. You ready? One, two, three. I don't want to hear it. Okay. But do it in love. You know, do it nicely. Okay. Now, what I'm not talking about here is dangerous situations. You know, maybe somebody, you know of a situation in the church where someone's being abused. I'm, we're not talking about that kind of stuff. We're talking about offense that you personally are receiving. Okay. Um, if, if someone's being, if there's a life-threatening, whatever it is, please let us know, the pastors know, okay? We, that's part of our role. But if it's offense between you and someone else, go to that person first. Now, moving on. If he listens, you have gained your brother. Now, why is this important? Let me just say this, because the point of conflict, the point of going to the person, the point of stepping on that bridge and hoping that you're speaking truth and love is what? It's restoration. It's not so that we can point out the flaws of that person and be like, well, I told them and hopefully they deal with it and God's gonna get them, hallelujah, and they're gonna, I'm just like doing my job. No, If that's our attitude, we have the wrong reason of why we're going and speaking truth and love to someone. The whole point of this is so that the relationship is restored. Jesus says, if you go, the person hears you, and you work it out, the crunchiness is gone. Because why is that important? Because God's called us on mission together. I can't be in the foxhole. I can't be in the trenches, shoulder to shoulder, digging and having one, a gun in one hand and a shovel in one hand. And this is hard work while I'm not thinking the best of you and you're not thinking the best of me. And we're just trying to do our work. And the moment you offend me, I'm out of here because I'm going to go on mission to some other church where I'll never be offended. No, what I'm called to do is we're called to work out that crunchiness because there's a world that needs saving And it needs to see that when our love for one another is evident to the world around, they will know that we are disciples of Jesus. If he listens, you've gained your brother. Now, just continuing. If he doesn't listen, what do we do? If if the person doesn't listen, this doesn't mean that you go to two or three other people that have the same issue with this person who you know will take your side and gang up on this one person. So Ryan and I, we have this little tiff and I'm going to go to Gilbert and I'm, I'm going to go to Bern, Bernard. We're going to go to Bernie and I say, like, we both have this issue with Ryan, but I haven't really talked about it with them, but now Ryan's offended me. So what I'm going to do is like, you know who I know doesn't like Ryan also? Gilbert and Bernie. Jesus said, go take other, other people. So, hey, guess what? You know what Ryan did? You won't even believe this, guys. He did it again. Let's pass you up. Let's go, boys, right? No, 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 don't worry. I'll get him on the phone. Hey, Ryan, Gilbert, Bernie, and me would all like to meet you at Starbucks at 4 o'clock. <laughs> no, that's not what Jesus is saying. Go to somebody who you know is going to speak truth and love. Sometimes if you're not sure how to do that, hopefully one of the pastors, one of the leaders in the church will help, help you do that. And that person's meant to be impartial and say, hey guys, I know you're not seeing eye to eye here. This is what's going on, all right? 
Don't go get your best buds who think the same way you do. All right? Okay? All right. Good. All right. We're agreeing on that. Now, just get, let's just finish out our, 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 our scripture here. Jesus says, if he refuses even then to listen, tell it to the church. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean you, you take it upon yourself and you go around gossiping about what Ryan did and you're telling everybody you're at life group and just, by the way, uh, Matthew 18 says I need to tell the church. So I uh, just want to tell everybody how Ryan offended me and uh, he's not repentant. And then uh, I'm going to tell everybody, I'm going to lead, lead worship. I'm going to write it in a song somehow so it like, comes out. No, this is meant for the elders in the church to tell the church, will we ever do this on a Sunday morning? Never. We only would do this with our members in the church. So if you have committed to membership here, we would get together and say, I mean, hopefully this never happens, right? This is like worst case scenario kind of stuff. But if, if an unrepentant person in the church was like, listen, I, I know you got two or three people together, but I'm just still not hearing it, then we would get the church together and say, hey guys, um, so-and-so is deciding not to uh, repent in this area. This is not something we do on a Sunday morning. It's only something we do with members. The worst case scenario is if you refuse even to listen to the church, then we treat him like an outsider. And to be honest, if somebody is even this far removed from relationship and repentance, this person probably isn't a believer in Christ. This, is, this can sound harsh. This can sound arrogant. But as, as a pastor in a church, this isn't meant to be mean or hard. It's meant to protect the sheep in the church. Because it would be cruel of me to allow an unrepentant person in this church, a wolf in sheep's clothing, to remain here. If I, one, was a flighter and I was like, it's really awkward for me to like, address this about this person. I'm just going to let them do damage among us. And it doesn't do that person any service either they're not able to be given an opportunity to understand that this is an error in their way of living. And so we as your pastors in the church, we love you. We want to protect the sheep. And if this were to ever happen, we would protect you. But I'm hoping this never happens. I'm hoping we only get to step one and either you are offended or you offended someone and you go to someone and they, or someone comes to you and, they, and you work it out and you say, I'm so sorry. And you have the courage to speak truth and love to the person and say, hey, you offended me and I, I can't really, it's, it's burning away in my heart and I don't want it to grow into this cancer that affects everybody around me, so I want to come to you. And then at the end of it, you go, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I love you, I love you too, man, sister, brother, whatever it is, and it's over and it's dealt with. That's the best option, amen? All right, here's what we're going to do just to make it more awkward this morning, all right, is we're going to respond in communion for those of us who are Christians. Now, communion is a representation of the body of Christ and the blood of Christ. When we eat that cracker, we're remembering that God, that Jesus laid his body down for us, and he took upon himself the punishment for our sin. And when we drink the juice, it reminds us of the blood of Jesus that was spilt for us that washes us our sins pure, clean, completely away. 
Not only does that act of what Jesus did for us, like I said in the beginning, forgive us of our sins, but it mediates for us and makes a way for our sins to be forgiven from one to another. And here's what I'd like us to do this morning. I want us to just be real and apply this to everyday life. And so what I'm gonna ask us this morning is, not just for yourself and thanking God and thanking Jesus for what he did for us personally and forgiving our sins, but if there's someone here this morning, it could be a spouse, it could be a friend, it could be a family member, whatever it is, that you may be offended by. I want you to have some courage and break bread with that person this morning. If, if you know that you aren't able to absorb the offense, if it's starting to take root, if you can't believe the best about this person, will you go to the person and break bread this morning? See, the only way that this relationship can be mended is through the blood of Christ. And if you wait this morning, statistics are that you'll wait next week, and statistics are you'll wait the next week after that, and it only gets harder and harder to approach the person. But if, if there's even a small offense that you're not able to deal with, it may be large or small, my encouragement to us, to a community this morning is, will you break bread with that person? And no one's gonna look at you and go, oh, you know, I, don't, I might have a line that goes out the door. I don't know, you know? And if that's the case, that's all right. Um, but just, just, will you thank Jesus for the fact that you can be reconciled back together through his body this morning? Will you stand?